When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Record Sports Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Caw, and today I am joined by Craig Swan and Michael Ganning. Guys, how are you? Good afternoon. How are we? Hi, Daniel. You both, both cheery as ever? Yes, chipper. Very chipper. It's all the Monday joys. I should, I should, I need to do it, Michael. I, I, the listeners, Michael's just been informed us about his dining table getting arrived and the, the joys of waiting and delivery, man. I'm sure everyone can relate. No, uh, exactly. The joys of finding out you get furniture you didn't know you bought in the first place. Now that you built this stupid thing. Uh, for Celtic fans, there's a few more important um, issues uh, and obviously the only place to start um, is uh, the Tony Macaroni Arena, the Spaghetti Hut, as it's known. Um, obviously, Livingston won Celtic now. Celtic's third um, away defeat in the league this season. I think sixth defeat away from home in all competitions. I don't even. Well, in fact, sorry, I do know where to begin. The starting lineup. Were you? Were you guys surprised when they start lineup? Ball and goalie back in. Um, Welsh back in. I mean, what did, what did you make of it? Uh, well, I was there um, yesterday. Um, fair to say that the, the volleyball and goalie returning was a surprise. Um, I, mean, I thought he was still still in Siberia. Um, hadn't been seen since well, August last year. Ever since his um, his three minute um, cameo at, at Rugby Park that caused absolute chaos um, and set about a chain of events that, that caused Celtic the title. Um, I never thought. We'd, I, I genuinely thought. Of, listen, you hear it through the years. Think this player will never play again for the club, and you, you sometimes get surprised. But this is the one I, I didn't expect. I thought he might have been going alone somewhere. Uh, during the transfer window, I didn't think that it, it was anywhere near the first team. That was a surprise. It needs must, I guess, because of the the, the squad is is so light just now. But it still was a bit of a, a shock to see him, uh, especially in that kind of game at Livingston, which we you know what to expect at Livingston. I know they have I know they've not had a great start to the season, Livingston, but historically it's a difficult place to go. The tight artificial pitch and all that stuff. It's a it's a tough game to come back into. Uh, and that's what kind of proved. I don't think he played that great, to be honest. I thought he was, he was pretty poor. But he, he was by far the only one in that boat uh, for Celtic. Craig? Yeah, possibly the timing was the biggest surprise in the sense that Celtic have been very short of bodies in the, in the left-back area and, and short of options in the left-back area. Basically, since Ange Postecoglou came in, there was probably other other times when you maybe would have, you would have been less surprised when he came out of the team, I'm like Michael, I didn't think he would ever play for Celtic again, but you know, the time he's come in is is, is barely a couple of weeks after Liam Scales has signed. Um young Adam Montgomery's been doing well. So it was more of a surprise in that sense that I just expected Liam Scales to, to come in. And I know Ange Postacoglu gave the the word afterwards that he felt he 
think, he, I think the exact phrase was he didn't feel he was ready or he wasn't ready yet. But he's been playing competitive football and in European matches for for Shamrock Rovers. So I was quite surprised that um, Ball and Golly was in ahead of Scales. But you have to take the mind as is. If that's what he says, then he obviously didn't feel that, that Scales was ready to go. But yeah, surprised. I was I was probably less surprised at. Stephen Welsh, um, he's played enough games this season. Whether whether you agree with whether he's been good or bad, um, it's certainly less surprised with that one um, than to cover himself in glory. Andrew Shinney's winning goal, but by and large he's been okay. So I think that was less of a shock. I don't imagine many Celtic fans would have had their head in their hands when they saw the team sheet. They might have done after he dived in and let Shinney score. But no, the ball and goal one was certainly a surprise. It's just the timing of it. You, you you touched on it there, Mick, about obviously Livingston, one of the tough places to go. I mean, despite, I think that's only their second win in 19 games, Livingston yesterday. One of the, still one of the tough places to go, but playing inverted fullbacks against them on that pitch, talk to me, what do you think of that? That's a bit strange, Composter Coglu. Yeah, I don't like inverted fullbacks, right? I mean, I'll declare myself here now, right? Unless you're Bayern Munich with Joshua Kimmich or something like that, or well, previously with we're lambing all these guys. I, I'm not a big fan of it. It's not. A, it's not something that particularly easy in my eye. Especially, I think it narrows the pitch. I love you it's already a narrow pitch and it's plastic surface and all that stuff. I thought it was. I thought it was actually got in the way for Celtic. There were times when there were so many bodies in such a small part of the park that it just became. Important. I mean, guys like Tom Rogic and, and David Tom were trying to kind of bring six guys in a phone box. It was so busy. And then to add two fullbacks into that area and narrow the pitch, I, I must admit I found it a little bit, a little bit, you know, um, bizarre. Celtic lacked a lot of width. I think they did look lack width. Um, and then even digging the ball away, they're, they're whipping balls in um, for a centre forward. It's not maybe that great in the air either. Um, it just listen, Celtic. There's been some some signs of progress this season in, uh, at Celtic Park. This is a major step back. I think there was. Questions. I think Ball and Goalie coming back in that that environment is a strange one. I think James McCarthy starting that game when we, listen, we know that James McCarthy isn't fully up to speed yet. Needs games. He said a setback. He, he obviously he was he came in he came in Celtic late. Wasn't up to speed. Had a wee setback as well in terms of being out of the team again. A wee injury and all that stuff and all all the rest of it. So he's not he's not there yet. That game was a game for a bit of steel, and I think. He's injury problems in the past, that surface, you think, is that the guy? As I thought, I thought Ishmael Asoro wasn't great in Betis. So I get the fact that that maybe we want to change things around a wee bit, but is that the game for James McCarthy when he's building his fitness? I would doubt he'll be involved in Thursday night now against Faith Rovers, a game which definitely would have been good for him to play in at Parkhead. I don't think he'll play now because I think I'd imagine he'll be in bits today, um, having played the match for played for 70 minutes um, at Livingston. Not played very well. You've got, you got to say, it wasn't great. But I mean, understandably, it's his first start on that surface, in that environment. I think a team that were, were ferocious. Uh, it was more like the old Levy. As you mentioned Levy's record, right? Levy, you got to remember, Levy got to top six last year. Yeah. Back top five. The fixture list at the start of this season has been pretty horrific as well. Yeah. They've, not, they've, not, they've had 19 games, but I, I would, I've not got it in front of me, but I'd, I'd, I'd bet about 14 of them against top six teams. So it's yeah. been a good run for them. They're still a, a solid, hard-working, scarily fierce side when they're, when they're at it. And that's not far off this season at times when I've seen them. Uh, and they were on it on, on Sunday. But that environment, for guys like McCarthy, I don't know. I just think it was it was a difficult one. I think there was a, a few mistakes made 
um, on and off the pitch at the weekend from Celtic. What, I, also what, think I also think there's a danger. Just, I think I would pick, I would pick up on two points there. Um, the first one, I would. We say it's said that Livingston is is notoriously a tough place. Celtic have made Livingston a tough place to go by just playing poorly, and it almost feels to me as though it's in their heads now when they go there. They just never seem to play. They just didn't play with the type of tempo they needed to play with for the very reasons Michael has outlined. Livingston are hard working, they're organised. You need to move them around, you need to play with a bit of tempo. Celtic just didn't do it. And the one thing about this is, I don't think anybody should be hugely shocked and in the sense that football moves quickly. And we I think everybody knew when the Postacoglu era started with so many changes, so many personnel changes, the change in management, every people try to settle in, hit the ground running. I think we said on a podcast previously, Michael, certainly be the type of team that'll bore teams away four and five now when it's working. And then when they have to dig in and dig out a result, they'll probably get beat in the early stages of the Postacoglu end. And that's kind of how it's playing out. So far, I would expect more days like Livingston to come over the next two or three months until he's they're really all bedded in properly. We want everything to happen yesterday in football. But, I just think there's, going to be, there's going to be days like this, and that's the way he's going to play, and people just have to accept it. Well, let me, let me put this to you, though, Craig. I think up yesterday, definitely there have been, for want of a better phrase, a bit of sympathy or understanding towards Postacoglu. You know, as you say, you know, it had to change so much in one transfer window. But do you not feel like almost there was a sea change yesterday with the Celtic fans that the honeymoon's over? You know, now lost away to Levy, away to Hearts. Daniel, I think there has to be a bit of realism as well. Listen, I don't, for, the first thing I would say is I, I didn't buy into the manager's rhetoric yesterday that that was the first time the team hadn't played their football. You know, I think a question was put to him about inconsistency. They didn't play at Tynecastle at all in the opening, night, in the opening league game of the season. The game against Rangers at Ibrox, which they lost away from home, they played well for half an hour in that game. Should have been in front, didn't turn up for the second half, and then the last 15 minutes, they're a bust when Kyogre went through the middle. So they haven't played great in all games. The Ross County game at home, um, the weekend before last, just, just passed. Celtic were poor for a long time until they got the flight to go. So although they've played some sparkling stuff, I don't buy into the fact that that's the first time they've not properly turned up. The other thing about it is, he's trying to deal with personnel changes, as, as I've said, and bedding players in. You, you, I think it's be fair to say, even in a short space of time, Kyogo and Callum McGregor are his two best players, and I know oh. they are. Well, and Ward and Ward and Christie have gone. Now, Ward and Christie, you can say what you like about what their contributions were before they went, but it's going to be hard enough for him to try and get some consistency out of a team if he can get his best players on the pitch. When he can't get his best players on the pitch, he's really going to struggle. So, I, I think I just think he's going to be like this for a while for Celtic until they get properly settled down. They need to get a, for a start. He needs to get a, more or less a first eleven that he knows is his first eleven. And get it bedded in and nailed down. Now that that'll come down to luck with suspensions and injuries and having everybody fit at the same time. But they need to do that for six, seven, eight games. Then you can start dropping guys into positions here and there, and it doesn't disrupt the flow so much. But the moment it just it feels like a packing mix every time you see a team selection. No, uh, Michael, I think Craig's Craig's obviously spot on when you, when you point out obviously McGregor and Kyogo how important they are. But see when someone like Kyogo comes out. And Ayeti comes in, and I know Ayeti's done okay recently, scored a couple of goals, 
But yesterday, I mean, he looked like he was injured or something to me. You know, he, he just he had one moment where he turned and had a good shot. Apart from that, it, it was like Celtic had no one up front. Without being harsh, you know, without being horrible, you know. There wasn't much space for him at all up there. And it wasn't working. But Celtic didn't have a plan B because they didn't have the options for a plan B. Right. Listen, he got a, listen, I think the manager is a, is a hostage to fortune. I think he, he um, he's a lot of rough ride. I mean, a lot of bad luck. Like injuries to Kyogo, McGregor, James Forrest. Um, Greg Taylor now as well. He said a lot of a lot of uh, rough luck. I mean, Car- uh, Starfield was ill at the weekend. Another one trying to settle down. Um, he's not he's not had a run of, of decent fortune in, in that respect. But listen, too much too much of the business was done too late. We've got a, a, a two point five million pound leading goal scorer in Holland in, in the books, but he's no fit yet. I mean, this guy was was available for transfer in June. He was signed in the in deadline day. And he's still not fit yet. Can't play him. So a guy who's a, a centre forward, different option, different kind of different centre forward. Can't play him. Not fit yet. Uh, guys like Cameron Carter Vickers played I think, for about sixty minutes of football this season. He's trying to find his feet. Not fit yet. Mm. James McCarthy for some reason he's running about East Coast on his own through June and July. Signs in August. Not fit yet. So so the, the business wasn't done quick enough to get to this stage. And now middle of September, and and the manager is saying. This guy's not fit yet. This guy's not up to speed. This, this, they're not quite there yet. He's not settled yet. It's it's September the twentieth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not we're not talking about end of August now. We're now at near the end of September. So there's a, there's, he's been hampered by the fact that business was done too too late. They got in, they much heralded twelve new players and all that stuff. Yeah, but they were in too late. Uh, and, and a lot of them would have been available way before. The, the, I know you got to negotiate and, and wait for the, the, the club select players go and all that stuff. But Celtic were in a hurry in the summer, and they didn't hurry enough. So now they're now having to pay the price for a team that's going to be wildly inconsistent, wildly unfit, and they're going to be unpredictable until things settle down. As Craig said, because they've, they've left themselves in a situation where they're, they're bound to be unpredictable because of the so many there's, there's so much going on. You're buying on, Michael, 100%. Yeah. 100% correct, bro. We, we, we can talk about Livingston all day, obviously. It was just a horrible day at the office for Celtic. But I want to get both your guys' take. Um, obviously, it's the first time we've done, I think, a Celtic podcast um, with the record since uh, Don McKay's, um, since he left Celtic. Um, what, do, what do you guys, what's your take on that really? What has been your take on Celtic behind the scenes? I mean, you've obviously touched on it a lot there, Michael. I mean, I think the transfer window um, business speaks to a lot of the stuff going on behind the scenes. But a size of, a club of size of Celtic, it, it, it should be better than this, surely. I just think there have been too many missteps right from right from back to February. I mean, uh, the kind of the holding pattern that was held since February, I don't I, I think was... An ideal opportunity to, to get get started then. Uh, Dominic Mackay, listen, talking to people in and around the club, it seems like the guy was in the wrong movie. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I don't think it was really working from both sides. There's always a talk about was it did he jump before he's pushed and all that kind of stuff, and I just think it hasn't it hasn't worked out the way that, that it had been hoped. Um, I, I think Dominic Mackay's expertise was in the areas that things like marketing and season tickets and all that so I think he's good at that kind of stuff things like negotiating with clubs and contracts maybe not so much he relied on the guys who were already at the club guys like, um, like Michael Nickerson has taken over so uh, it was a tricky one um, 
I don't. I mean, I know there's talk about this thing about Celtic being to modernise and all the rest of it. But if you're, if you're, in fairness, if you're on that Celtic board, right, and you hear the new guy saying, "Oh, we're going to modernise. This is all doing us all wrong." Mate. You fix it, and you go, "Well, wait a minute. We're, we're, we're one twelve trophies out of fifteen. There's, there's thirty-five million quid sitting in the bank. Okay, last year was a disaster, but but we've not really been doing that much wrong. We're selling players for fifteen million, twenty million. So if you're if you're part of that environment, you might think, "Oh, hold on a minute here. We're, we're not complete idiots here." Uh, we have been operating at a decent level for a long time. Take out last year's nightmare. Um, but I, I take the I mean, there's a lot of missteps since in the last kind of two or 18 months. They've gotten to this stage. Um, but I just think, uh, yeah, I just think sometimes the face doesn't fit. Uh, and that would be the case with, with Dominic Mackay. I also Which, think, just to, just to add to that, uh, Michael, you think you're, you're correct in all the things you say. And, you know, you're talking about Mackay being a sort of marketing guy and all that. To me, the big thing that was missed was the appointment of the, the director of football or the sporting director. He was the he's the transfer guy, or he should be the transfer guy. Yeah, chief executive technically should be doing the type of things that Don McKay was supposed to be good at the market and stuff and all of that. Shouldn't really, the football transfer should really be falling onto him. Really, he he, he has to sign the deals off and agree them out. But the, the, the recruitment side, I think, fell down, and the speed of the recruitment side fell down because there wasn't the middleman, the actual link, the football guy. For the management, there should have been a guy to link between Ange Postecoglou and Dominic McKay and Celtic still haven't filled that role yet. And why not? I don't know because I've spoken about it for long enough. Well, that's another thing. We were sitting at Christmas last year and, and, and Peter Lowell was promising internal reviews and the structure of the club and all that. That's my head going back to the summer before last that the club were going to restructure and that's the way they were going to go. Um, so to still be sitting. Over a year down the line and still not having these things in place, it's it's um, it's kind of bizarre, really. That's the baffling thing for me, Michael. That's the one. That's the one I don't understand. That role should be filled. And yeah. and, and to be honest with you, given the fact, I mean, the, the manager has spoken about the, the Japanese and Asian market and how he'll dip back in there in January, um, because it's it's easier to get players out at that time because of the season and when it runs over there. And he's got a the sounds by listening to him, he's got a couple of gems lined up, um. But there's other areas that need to be investigated for, for January. The, the, the spawn director, he needs to be coming in soon, very soon, because the work for January should already be underway. There's, there's loads of things he's addressed. I mean, apparently the sports science department needs needs seriously bolstered as well. And the way that they, they play football under under Postacoglu, that's going to be even more important. Because if you look at clubs that play a certain way, I know it's not the same level, but you look at Klopp at Liverpool and all that stuff. They're getting a high intensity of football that he wants. That puts a lot of demands on players, which means your sports science department becomes very important to keep these guys ticking over. Which, and by the way, maybe, maybe listen, I am, I am no um, sports scientist or doctor, but you've seen injuries happen already with Celtic. I, 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 um, I was just going to stop there, Michael. I thought you were going to say Kyogo and McGregor, two of the most intense pressers in the team, have broken down. Well, well, I mean, again, Doctor Mix not in surgery today. No. But <laughs> Listen, it might be quite, it might be coincidental, but I'm not sure. Were, they, were any of them contact injuries? I don't think they were, were they? No, so, I mean, no, no, no. strains. Um, so you, need, you need to be able. You're right. You need to be able to turn players out. You know, keep pressing the team up. To be fair, Ange Postecoglou said that's what now say. He said after the first game at Tynecastle, the first league game at Tynecastle, the way we want to play, I need to, you know, the way I want my team to play, the way I want us to play is we need to be able to make the changes around about 55, 60 minutes so we can maintain the intensity. That's what he said. 
But it, it just shows you how lacking that that is just now because look at the look at the bench on, on Sunday and look at the changes made after seventy minutes. Uh, Tony Macaroni, yeah, he brings on Sorrow and, and Beaton and, and Mikey Johnson, who's not played since pre-season. You think that's that's the only? I mean, that's Mikey Johnson's the only attacking option on the bench. Um, again, I know there's injuries, but uh, look at the options. Celtic seventy minutes gone in that game at Livingston, running out ideas very quickly, and you think. How does he change it? He must. He must. He must. Listen. He must. He must look himself. I think. What do I do to change this year? I was just. I was just. just I stole my thunder there a bit. A bit there, Mike, because I was going. To, I was going to ask. I'm putting you in the spot here, right? But he, do you think behind the scenes he must be pretty annoyed, pretty peeved at the op- going into games like this with the options he's got? I mean, you, you'd think he maybe took the job and would have expected much better recruitment than he's had. Well, he, cer- he certainly suggested, Daniel, he certainly made reference to the fact that he knew that it was going to be a big transitional period. I, th- I think there's a part of him probably realises he knew the amount of players that had to come in. He knew it was going to be players going out. Now, whether he feels it could have been done quicker, I mean, he did He did make reference to frustrations at one point, um, just saying he would, he would hope things could have done quicker, but he understood he wasn't laying the blame at anyone's door. So you read into that whatever, whatever you like. Anyone can read into it how they like. I think he would have understood that it may be like this at this time. I don't know. He's the only one that can answer that. But you can't expect you can't expect to turn over the amount of players in and out the door um, as quickly as Celtic did. Uh, as quickly is probably the wrong phrase after what Michael said. But with the volume of players, I didn't expect him to get twelve players in the transfer window. I thought that was almost two transfer windows done at once, mm-hmm. and. Obviously, some of them had to be last gasp, as Mix alluded to, which has meant they're not ready. Some of them could have been signed earlier, yes, but maybe that was dependent on other deals being done. We don't know. It's a roundabout way of answering your question. I, think, I probably do think he expected it would be like this. I, I kind of think he, he, might, he must have done. You must you must know if, 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 if his, the squad wasn't good enough to start with and needed strength, and he would have known key men were going out the door. He would have known Edward was going and I was going. He would have known that. And Christie would have known when the deals weren't signed. He's not daft. He's been around football long enough to know. So I think we would probably have to expect it's going to take, given the loan players that left and the sales that were made, 12's not enough to build the squad. So it was always going to take more than one window. So if you start having a few injuries and guys aren't up to speed, then you're going to be short. No. I think that just the reason. To almost, I think, I think, I think the, pro- the problems have been created in the 18 months beforehand. No, but the business that wasn't done and the guys that were kept, and when everybody knew they were going to be leaving, and the standard the guys who were brought in, like Klamala and stuff like that, were never going to be good enough. So they were all going to have to be replaced. In the short terms of John Joe Kenny and Diego LaSalle, everyone knew Mohamed El Yunusi won't be getting an Arsenal. Everybody knew all this. So even though he's got a dozen, it's not enough because they needed. From the end of last season, for the team that finished last season, they needed six or seven first-team guys to get straight in. That was the team that finished the season. And if you take Edward, Ayer, Christie and the Lone Boys, that was another, that was another eight going out the door. So we're going to need more than 12 anyway. So I don't think you'd be surprised. I don't think you'd be surprised. I don't know if, I don't know if this will be... A, I'm trying to almost put a, a, a positive spin in this for Celtic fans or a, you know, get a crumb of solace. The fact that obviously Rangers drop points um, at the weekend as well, and that despite you know everything we're pouring over here, despite um, the undoubted problems in the Celtic squad, they're only four points off the top of the table. Do you know what I mean? You know you'd expect after a start to a season like this, and other seasons, 
for it to be, you know, a lot worse than that. Is that fair, do you think? Or? Well, if you, drop, if you drop nine points in the first six games, including and losing an old fun game, then if you're four points behind, you're, you're doing quite well. Because that's, huh? I mean, listen, that, it's, that's not a, it's not a great start by any stretch of imagination, nine points for 18. Um, but it might be that it is that kind of season. It's like I've lost three games already. Now, I might be wrong, but I think I think I had seen someone saying they've only lost five in the league all last season. Well, I, I saw the I, I saw the stat that when they won the ninth title in a row, um, they only dropped ten points, and they've, they've obviously dropped nine already. Yeah. So I mean, I uh, it might be. Listen, it was always going to be hard for Rangers to maintain that level of consistency through the whole season. But, but I think we saw it with um, Ben and Rodgers' second season. The drop off was was quite substantial from the year before in terms of points. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's so hard to do it week in week out for for so long. Um, the fact that they did it for four those four, especially those four trebles, it's unbelievable. That, that achievement, that consistency, and it's difficult. So Rangers will find it harder this year. They, they will they will probably end up with 15, 20 points less than they had last year. Maybe maybe fifteen points less. But it's where Celtic can make up the ten points from last year. This year, that is is, is going to be difficult for them because. Of all the problems that myself and, and Craig are talking about, there's a squad that is still light. Um, middle of the park looks vulnerable going into a very, very busy period into the, into the autumn into the winter. It looks like it, they're going to be left light in there. Um, you're putting a lot of burden on guys like Tom Rogic to play a full season. Hasn't done it for seven years. No. Even, so, David, even you forget David Turnbull's now playing every week. He was out for a year as well, wasn't he? You know? David Turnbull, who missed a year, he's, I mean, he should be up to speed by now. Uh, uh-huh. But he's, he's but he's not. Peter Tumbles as a as a as a kind of flair player. I mean, he likes a bit of space and he makes a pass, and he's a lovely football player. But games like Sunday, when it's uh, it's the old um, the old John Hughes getting the boiler suits on, <laughs> um, it's maybe not it's not his kind of environment. But then you're putting a lot of burden on Callum McGregor to be fit every week. You need you need James McCarthy to play twenty games a season to take a bit of burden off him. You need Sorrow to step up and become a player that that. He hasn't really shown he's going to be yet. And that's it. There's nobody else. The middle of the park is, is looking very, very light. Left back still an issue, clearly, up front. You've got the three strikers. One of them I haven't seen yet. A Yeti, jury still out. Okay, it's it's going to be a... a Celtic going to have to hang on to get to keep going to January to get tooled up again. Because as like Swanee said, there's still three or four players light. First team players, I mean. Now, as in starters, as an actual start eleven players, no. Yeah. Or guys who can start. No. No. Yeah. Well, as you touched on earlier, Michael, it's obviously it's Wraith Rovers next up uh, in the cup, the cup quarter final at home, uh, and then it's Dundee United in the Premiership, and then Bayer Leverkusen at home. So there's no give up. Um, there's no what's the phrase? There's no way. Uh, for for Celtic. Um, but I suppose we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I think we've we've pulled over enough. I think we've stressed out Celtic fans enough on this uh, this record Celtic podcast. Um, I think I think Dan, I would just, I would just say to that. Um, I think most people, most sensible people, would have understood it was going to be a bit like that this season. And I, I think if you think back to the way people were speaking before the game against Michelin and through the summer with everything that happened, nobody really expected Celtic to come off flying. There was always going to be. You know, maybe a couple of steps forward and one back. That's just, and I suspect it's going to be like that probably till Christmas. I, I think I, I just get that feeling. Maybe that's been over harsh. Maybe they will get it together a lot quicker and get the settled team. But 
I don't know. I think there might just be days like Livingston will be thrown in there every now and again. I just think it'll harm. It takes time to build up build up a real head of steam and some real consistency if the team hasn't really bedded in, you know? I, I just think... I, I don't... I think most sensible Celtic fans will understand it for what it is. There was always going to be, as Michael touched on, it was hard for Rangers to keep the consistency of last season. And Celtic were always going to need Rangers to throw them a few crumbs this season just to keep it... You know, situations like yesterday being a good example. You know... And some, I would, I'd imagine a majority of Celtic supporters, rather than the result between Rangers and Motherwell cushioning the blow, it probably made it even more frustrating. The right. fact that that was a, yeah. an opportunity. But that's the type of things that might happen this season. And if, if Celtic can just somehow find a way to stay in touch and get to Christmas and get to January and tool up again, but they, they have a chance, they, they, they may still have a chance, but they'll probably need some favours from across the city. I would imagine for, for Rangers to drop points, and um, as you say, it's a very, very grueling period. As you and Michael have both alluded to, it's it's always the same up to Christmas. It's non-stop, and it's just whether they whether they can do that and get to the festive period intact. We'll yeah. see. I, think, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think that we that we five game spell when they had five home games in the bounce and they were knocking teams six and all and all that stuff and. And getting through against the uh, Easy Dalkmar. I'm not saying it's a false dawn, but I think it did create a slightly false narrative. It, the sun's shining, the football's nice, and all that stuff is all going very swimmingly. It wasn't it going to be like that this season? As, as Craig's saying, it's, it was going to be a bumpy ride. No. That, that kind of wee three or four week, three or two or three week spell when the punters got wrapped up in it and all that stuff, and they all kind of swept up with an Ange ball and all this kind of stuff. It, it wasn't quite the, the, the realistic picture because. As we were talking about, and it's a next period coming up now. Is a difficult spell for Celtic. They've got big European games. They've got to go to Pataudry, Easter Road, Far Park. No one in away game in, in Scotland since February. Uh-huh. Uh, the weather's going to be changing. It's going to become the silky football has, might get put in the window for a wee bit. What? What? I think. I think it's it's too early to carry away. Last last month, it's still too early to to get overly negative just now about Celtic. But we'll, we'll, there's some questions he'd answered the next couple of weeks and couple of months. Can they find different ways to win? Can they find consistency of, of, of selection and result? And have they got another side to them? Can Celtic have a plan B? Can they grind it? Can they grind? Because grinding is, is how you, you compete and how you challenge. And they're going to need to grind. They're going to need to grind to be four points behind going to that old firm derby at New Year or five points behind within kind of striking distance. And that's it's going to be it's going to be really tough to do that, but that's what we need to find out in the next few weeks. It'll be an intriguing watch. Whatever happens, um, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Michael, Craig, thank you very much, uh, and to you listening, thanks very much. Uh, we'll be back next week with another record set podcast. Mm-hmm.